tonight for the message, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Uh, and, and the message is entitled, Forgive for Good. And, you know, as I was, I was thinking about the message, I actually, um, uh, on Friday, I'll have an appointment with my chiropractor. Uh, he's, he's a good friend, and uh, he has sure been a great help for me uh, in times where I've just been out of joint, and I've needed him to get, to get me, uh, f- you know, straightened out, literally, physically. And, and, you know, when you look at a message on forgiveness, I'm tying it in because I know there'll be times where he'll be working on a muscle, and, you, you know, not a big fan of pain. Anybody else in the room, would you give a wave? Maybe online you'd say, yeah, not a big fan of pain, you know, like so you go through it as you're going through it, but usually not looking for it, you know, so it's a, it's a kind of, you know, two sides of the coin. I know the chiropractor is going to help me feel better, but sometimes he makes me feel worse before I feel better. And he's so nice too, because he'll say, don't worry, Jim, this is not hurting me one bit. You know, it's like I'm choking back tears in my eyes, you know. But I'll, I'll, I'll tense up when he's working, and he'll do something like this. Like, like th- this is, if you were just close your eyes and listen to his encounter with me, you'd hear, relax, 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 relax. Relax, because I'll keep tensing up and I have to, you know, because he's trying to get done what he needs to get done. What, what I want to like prime our thinking and our hearts here tonight, man, a message on forgiveness, you don't need to hear it once. I don't need to hear it once. To walk in forgiveness is something that we have to constantly be reminded. I, I mean, unless we're living as hermits where we don't have any encounter with, with human beings, you, you know, uh, and even then, our, we still got our minds to deal with, right? Where we'll start thinking back and remembering and, and all that fun stuff. So, so a message like tonight is, um, you know, I think Holy Spirit would say, so forgive, so forgive, so forgive, so forgive. And, and just, you know, I won't realize I'm tensing up and he'll say, relax. And then I don't realize I'm tensing up and he'll have to tell me, relax. He'll actually sometimes just slap me on the spot where he's, you know, relax, relax, stop it, you know. So my whole point is, let's, let's ask the Lord tonight, Lord, search our hearts Lord, do some inventory in our lives tonight. If there's anything in the realm of unforgiveness, uh, I, I would also, uh, I would encourage us to look at bitterness, offense, anything uh, along those lines that would be in that arena of unforgiveness. Remember, scripturally speaking, it's not an emotion that we feel, it's a choice that we make because of God's command in our lives. We're commanded to forgive. And just as Pastor James said, hey, you know, our, our joy, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a different picture than, um, well, I don't feel joyful, so I won't be joyful. You know, it's, uh, I don't feel like forgiving, so I won't forgive. No, instead, it's, uh, no, I have to forgive. I'm called to forgive. And, you know, I heard a mentor say to me years ago, I've never forgotten it. The good news is, because of God's power working in our lives, right choices will bring right emotions. You know, sometimes it's a pathway, sometimes it takes some time. But, you, you know, I, I would say, you know, uh, wow, we're in a world, uh, you know, as we all know, we're in a culture, we're in a, 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 a season of time where tensions are high, where it doesn't take much to set folks off, where there's a lot of polarization, where th- there's not a whole lot of, hey, let's dialogue, let's talk, let's reason. There's just, just a lot of the other stuff. 
You know, and if we're not careful, that, that stuff can kind of cling on to us, that can, you know, cause us to be living in a way where we might not even be realizing that, you know, frustration that we're carrying turns into resentment. Resentment is a, is a sneaky thing because we don't necessarily see it coming, but resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness, all those things kind of linger together and they all kind of work from that same arena. And if we'll just make the choice, Lord, no, I'm going to choose to be a person that walks in the agape of God, the love of God. You know, and that means I keep no record of wrongs. That means I see the best. I believe the best. And it's a battle. It's a warfare sometimes. But if we'll choose to do that, then we'll have God's very best in our lives and we'll have God's very best flowing through us. So, uh, so with that as a little bit of an introduction, I just invite us to, to say, Lord, uh, so speak to me. Show me. Uh, you, have, you have full access, God, uh, to, to show me if there's anything going on in my life. And, and you know, let, let's pick up now in Mark chapter 11. Very, very powerful portion of scripture, uh, verses 22 to 24, where Jesus explains that faith can literally move a mountain. I mean, what, what a powerful scripture that he gives, you know, if, you know, if, if we'll, we can speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed and cast into the sea, and if we don't doubt but believe in our heart uh, that, that, that it'll happen, that we'll have what we say. And it's a valid promise for all of us as believers as we approach God in prayer for, for whatever various needs that we might have. But along with that really great promise, verses 22 to 24, there's a verse 25, And verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, uh, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I I like that we're not only describing forgiveness as, as the word forgiveness, but we're also recognizing it's holding something against someone. You know, and so we're commanded. God is saying, hey, I got good news. My power in your life, I'll blast mountains away and they'll go, they'll get tossed into the sea. But part of the deal is if you have any unforgiveness, if you're holding anything against anyone, you have to forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. That's a pretty sobering instruction, right? If we go to Matthew 6 and verses 14 and 15, it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So wow, if we want God to do a work in our lives, we have to learn how to follow his principles of forgiveness. So again, let's just run through here. So what does it mean to forgive? The definition of forgiveness, it's an act of pardon. It's to cease or to cancel blame. Hasn't our culture become masterful at casting blame? Everywhere else, right? There's, I mean, we, we've just made it in art. You know, um, one of the first actions President Ford made after taking office was to give President Nixon a full pardon. And, and what does that mean to have a full pardon? The charges of crime against him were abolished. Ford wiped Nixon's slate absolutely clean. Because of Ford's mercy, the past could not be held against Nixon. It was as if he had never done anything wrong. That's the power of forgiveness. That's what God does on an eternal scale for us in forgiving our sins. So, so you know, sometimes man, it can be just so much easier to want to hold on to the unforgiveness. And the enemy, you know, he'll, he'll kind of warp it in our head to have us almost perceive by holding unforgiveness, we're harming the other person. 
But the enemy knows that actually we're bringing far more harm against ourselves than we're ever bringing against the other person. Can you say amen? Amen. So here's what happens when we choose not to forgive. It can hinder God from working uh, in our lives. I, I, I love like different you know, stories and things from history. While Leonardo da Vinci was painting the Last Supper, he came to the portion of the painting where he needed to paint the face of Jesus. And just, just, just get the picture of this moment, right? He's getting ready to paint the face of Jesus at, at, at the Last Supper, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. Why, you might ask? Because earlier that day, a man had wronged him, and he had lashed out at that man in anger. It wasn't until he went and asked the man's forgiveness that he could go back and complete the painting. Isn't that, isn't that like an awesome picture, right, of, of his awareness of, no, God wants me to not keep any record, not to hold on to it, not to bear it. So unforgiveness also can give birth to other sins that we all want to avoid. It can lead, I already mentioned uh, bitterness, but it can lead into envy, into strife, into hatred. These are all really ugly things that then go ahead and breed other ugly things in our lives. Unforgiveness can cause us to reproduce the very thing that we are detesting, right? Whatever we're angry at someone else for, do you know that they say over 93%, now I would say, by the way, Christ can break these patterns, Christ has broken these patterns, but just realize apart from God's mercy and work in our lives, over 93% of child abusers, those that abuse children, over 93% were abused themselves. None of them would have looked and said, I want to become the object of my pain and my anger and my unforgiveness, right? So it can fester and it can grow and become more and more lethal in our lives over time. It ultimately has the potential to destroy our lives, uh, destroy our relationships, destroy our futures. That's why it's so important that we really get a handle on not allowing unforgiveness uh, and bitterness. And and again, um, resentment is such a sneaky thing. You know, sometimes we can be dealing with resentment and not even realize it. And we have to make sure that we just keep all that junk out and it'll steal our joy, our peace, and our fellowship with with, uh, people around us. You you know, some of the reasons, this isn't an an exhaustive list, but I just want to hit on some of the things that, that we wrongly buy into that allow us to stay in unforgiveness. We might say, number one, well, I have the right to be angry. Come on, how, how many beside me? I'm raising my hand here. How many have ever said, well, I have the right to be angry. And so I'm just going to grab a hold of that right. Thank you very much. Um, in 1960, th- this is, again, another incredible story of, of the, only, the only kind of forgiveness, the only way you can explain it is God. In 1960, Adolf Kors III of the famous Kors family, uh, he was kidnapped and he was held for ransom. Uh, it's a tragic story. Months later, his body was found and he had been shot to death. Uh, at the time, Adolf uh, Kors IV was 14 years old. And people close to the Kors family said that young Adolf felt that he had not only lost his father, but he had lost his best friend. And so not surprisingly, he was filled with hatred for a man named Joseph Corbett. That was the man who was convicted for the brutal murder. But in 1975, Adolf Kors uh, became a Christian. And he turned his back on the family beer business. 
And the one thing he couldn't leave behind was his hatred for this man who murdered his father, Joseph Corbett. Resentment literally seethed within the man, and uh, it, it, it just cramped and blighted his, uh, his growth in any kind of walk in, in faith with God. And so he, he, he did what we need to do. He cried out to God. He asked God for help. And sometime later, he went to visit Corbett in the Colorado prison where he was being held, but Corbett refused to see him. So Coors left the Bible uh, with a message inscribed inside, and it said this, I'm here to see you today, and I'm sorry that we could not meet. As a Christian, I am summoned by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive. I do forgive you, and I ask you to forgive me for the hatred I've held in my heart for you. Isn't this powerful? Later, Coors said, uh, I have a love for that man. Can you imagine him saying this? I have a love for that man that only Jesus Christ could have put in my heart. And Coors suffered both a horrible loss and felt that he had a right to his hatred, but God taught him that even the worst things uh, can wind up being forgiven. Right? So, so, I mean, we're looking at an extreme situation of somebody who, who would say, hey, I have a right to be angry. Look what was robbed from me. Look at the tragedy. Look at the evil and the brutality. And, and yet he realized that unforgiveness that he was holding toward this man uh, kept God from being able to heal his life. And thank God he responded to the Lord. And, and I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know if, uh, you know, as he read the, the, the Bible and the inscription, if he, if he uh, turned to Christ himself. But certainly, uh, God in his great, great mercy gave this man, even after doing something so brutal, gave him an opportunity uh, to find salvation. And, and again, it's just so powerful. And that, that opportunity was made because of the power of forgiveness. Uh, I think a second thing that can, can really uh, hold us back is we would say, well, I didn't do anything. In other words, not, not accepting responsibility for any part we might, might have in this. Can I meddle a little bit? Come on, how many couples would say, you know, uh, things would be great if they'd get their act together. Things would be great if they would just see it my way, which means they would see it the correct way. Right? A lot of times in counseling, I'll start off, you know, pastoral counseling, and I'll, I'll start to realize, uh-oh, this is not, let's get this all out on the table with the Lord and figure this out. This is, pastor, we each want to convince you which side you need to take in this situation. How many know, like, when, as soon as I realize it, I say, uh-oh, oh, Jesus, come near, Holy Spirit, come do something. You know, because nothing's going to get done that way. There's, you know, we uh, certainly, uh, there's, there's many a situation where we have to look and we have to own, well, what's my part in this situation? What part do I have to, to, to play in this, you know? Um, you know, it's, it, this is the, well, it's the teacher's fault that I didn't pass the test. You know, I've, I've heard that over the years sometimes from my kids and, you know, well, it's because the teacher isn't teaching right. And, you know, we could come up with all these reasons why, hey, I have no part in, in my behavior or what's going on with me. It's all the other person's fault. And, and then the third, I think, big reason that, that we can relate to is similar and says, well, I'm a, I'm a victim. I'm the victim here. And we think that, you know, as the one being wronged, that, that gives us a right to embrace victimhood. And, and, and I want you to hear me. So, so some balancing statements here. The pain that we feel when we have been wronged, it's legitimate and it's real. And God's heart breaks over those things. And God is a God of justice, and he hates when injustice has been perpetrated on somebody for sure. But with all of that being true and being real, the worst thing we can do as Christians is embrace victimhood. 
it winds up becoming a prison that we, that we wind up living in. Come on, how many know that that's true? Can you say amen to that? You know, see, these are all things that in our flesh or in our soul, as our heart is wounded, as our, as our soul is wounded, as, as we've been angered, frustrated, betrayed, whatever other things would come down the way, we might, you know, say, man, I have the right and it's not my fault. And hey, I'm the victim here. And yet God doesn't let us off the hook from being the one who says, but I will follow the, the leadership of my Lord. I will follow the leading of Holy Spirit that lives in my heart and I will make the choice to not lay this to their charge. And if we will make the choice to do that, God will set us free and we'll walk in a covering, we'll walk in an anointing and we'll walk in the blessing of God. And what it does release God to do is, is one of two things. Uh, to... to um, bring his mercy and grace to that person because we're receiving God's grace and mercy. And, and here's the other thing it allows. It allows God to go battle all the junk on our behalf and allows us then to be healed and to be free and to move past it. Do we trust God enough to say, I will trust you with my unforgiveness because I know as I give it over to you, you are so big that you'll take what the enemy means to destroy me or to take me out. Lord, you'll take that and you'll make it work for my good. And because it works for my good, it'll be something that's seed of blessing that gets sown in lives all around me. Can you say amen, right? You know, what does unforgiveness do? Doesn't it make most people want to just kind of withdraw? You know, so rather than our gift and our light and our heart and, and our hands and our feet and our voice on God's behalf, rather than that being extended to the world around us, we wind up going into retreat because we've been wounded, because we've been hurt. And again, the Lord doesn't let us off the hook with that. So um, I'm going to keep moving forward. I have more notes than I think we had time here for tonight. But let's move on now let, on, on this topic of then, so how does God respond to our sin? And I know this is, this is oftentimes very helpful for me to realize, man, I need God's grace. I can't afford to not be in unforgiveness toward others. Can anybody else say amen to that? Like, Lord, I need your grace. Isaiah 43, 25, this is the Lord. I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 34, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Corey Tenboom said, when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean gone forever. And then God places a sign out there that says, no fishing allowed. What a, what a great, and, and of course, uh, you know, if we know our, our history with Corey Timboom, we know uh, she, she's somebody that's an authority, uh, can speak very meaningfully on walking in forgiveness, right? Uh, so, you know, by the letter of the law, we're guilty. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't have a right to it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. But God's love and forgiveness is given to us as a free gift. It costs us nothing, yet it costs him everything. And so in all of that, that can enable us say, to say, so, so who am I going to hold on to it? Lord, now it's between you and them. Lord, I'm free. 
Now I can just be free and go forward. So how should we respond when others sin against us? Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Doesn't it sound like Peter was thinking, because I got a few people, three are at five, two are at six, and one's at seven. So like, am I off the hook yet where I can stop forgiving? You know, you you almost kind of get that feel in what what Peter is trying to get at there, you know? And in Jesus answered, well, no, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, like Peter, no, you just, there is no end to your forgiveness. Uh, in, in the King James, it says 70 times seven. So that's actually 490, depending on how you want to look at it. So uh, Ephesians chapter four, in verses uh, 29 to 32 says, and and you know, this all ties together, right? Think about when there's unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment that somebody's wrestling with. And, And listen now, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow, what a great filter to put on what we're about to say. Will this build up and benefit those whose ears, what I'm about to say, is going to go into. And don't grieve, it's at verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And again, it says in Colossians 3, 13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In Matthew 6, 12, uh, uh, we actually know in Matthew 6, we have the, the Lord's Prayer, right? Very, very famous. We, I'm sure all, you know, are very familiar with. Uh, it tells us in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. John 20, verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So, Hearing somebody say, I'm sorry, doesn't remove the burden of forgiveness from you or from me. When we are wronged, we hold the power to heal or to hurt. The pain is only removed when we forgive. Think about it this way. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a wound kind of metaphorically, a, uh, you know, a stab, you know, like a knife in the back or a knife in the side, however we want to put it. Uh, it's not until we pull it out. We pull it out by saying, I choose to forgive. It, we're, getting off the hook is not them saying, gee, I'm sorry. Getting it off the hook and out of our lives is when we say, no, I forgive. Can you say amen? All right, so let's look here um, to, to wrap up some steps for freedom from unforgiveness. And again, man, I, I, can be, I can see a story on the news. I can, on my tablet, on my news feed, I can see a story. I can see comments or posts on Facebook. Uh, I can see a YouTube video with somebody giving an opinion. I can be in a store. I can be any of a gazillion places where something would want to just set off unforgiveness in my heart, right? Just, just kind of accusation in my mind, you know, toward this person, you know, or, or, or this, this, um, this, this philosophy that these certain people hold to that I disagree with. Hey, that before God is even wrong. 
Right? You, you, you tracking what I'm saying there? You know, in other words, rather than pitting myself, I, I heard one of my mentors one time, uh, somebody asked him, they're, they're, this particular person, um, very, very, uh, a lot of influence, has dealt with a lot of people, very, very well known and um, strong leader. And they were asked, hey, um, do you, over all these years in strong leadership, you must have some enemies, you know? And, and uh, his response was, I don't have a single enemy. And this person, come on, said, said you've been doing this for years and years and years, and you're, you're not just, you know, tell everybody what they want to hear. It's impossible that you didn't make any enemies. He said, I am telling you, I don't have any enemies. And when the person pressed the issue, he said, well, let me clarify. There are plenty of people out there who don't like me, but I don't have any enemies, Right? The difference is, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to carry toward this person. And, and again, you know, as, as Christians, we are called to be salt. We are called to be light. The Bible gives us a stern, stern, sober uh, truth that not only are we to not participate in what God calls sin, but if we condone that sin, that, that, that is participating with it. How many would, would, would say that's, that's sobering stuff? I've been observing though, I think as we look at that truth, if we're not careful, we start to carry an attitude that muddies taking a stand against unrighteousness and muddies that with having an anger and a resentment and a bitterness toward people who think this or believe this or act this way. Come on, can you say amen? It's human. It's very human for that to happen to us. It's very human for us to feel that. It's painful to watch a world that is saying we want nothing to do with God's ways. And yet God doesn't let us off the hook. We are not to engage in a, 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 a solical war where we are in bitterness, anger, strife, strife, malice, envy, anger, any of this stuff toward people. Well, how do we do it? You might say, well, how in the world am I supposed to do it? We do it in the spirit. Spirit. We worship God. When we feel the anger, when we feel the frustration, when we feel the stuff, we say, Lord, I release that unto you. God, I remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Think back, how does a man forgive the murderer of his father? Just on the earthly sense, man, that's, that's just stinking impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And by God's spirit, we can do that. You know, Saul is, is, is you know, uh, uh, condoning the murder of Christians in the early church. And now here he is, he becomes Saul. Thank God the early church didn't get to Facebook bashing Saul and saying, oh, he's not a real Christian, he's not this. Do you know what group he was a part of? Do you know how he thought, blah, blah, blah? Come on, can you say amen or ouch to what I'm talking about, right? And, and don't get me wrong, we need to stand. We need to stand for righteousness. We need to let our position be clear, but we need to, by God's grace, be able to do that in a way where we don't get dragged down into swinging at people around us because they'll never get one to Christ if they think that we're, we're here uh, uh, swinging at them. Can you say amen? There will be persecution. We will be misunderstood. All of those different things. There's just a difference between the two. I hope by God's grace I, I uh, showed that there's a difference. And it's a bit of a minefield to walk through, but God will show us how to do it. And, and you know what, what's more important than anything else, church, is we got to look at what's going on in here. What am I feeling in here? 
Is there a righteous boldness and a purity? Am I pressed toward godliness? You know, we can speak pretty boldly, you know, and, and, and um, do some real, real good when we're in that, that, that place with the Lord. But if on the inside we're feeling ugly and we're feeling, I want to wring their neck, you know, I want to this, I want to that, then, then it's probably a good warning for us to say, all right, wait a minute, I, I got to get my heart back in line. You know, and so I say this as a pastoral message. I say this as a message uh, that would be God would want to protect our hearts, right? Guard your heart, you know, uh, above all else because out of it flow the issues of life. We have to make sure that our heart is in a place uh, of, of, now we love God first. How do we keep it all straight? Well, how do I not get in a ditch of then loving people and now, now condoning sin? Well, we love him first. And then out of our love for him, then we love people. And then we'll be able to walk this line in a way where, where the love of God is on display, even if the world doesn't recognize it. And then at that point, not our problem. That's between them and God. Come on, can you say amen? Is this, is this making sense? There, there's a crisis of bitterness that wants to swallow the church across our nation, that wants to swallow it up. And I say in the, the love of God, which is not weak, which is not soft, it is mighty. It conquers all. It covers all. It is the greatest thing that there is. We walk in the power of the love of God and we drive back bitterness, anger, envy, offense, all the ugly. And then we can be bold as a lion and yet at the same time rivers of God's love and the power of God will just be streaming out of our lives. Not easy, but we can do it if we live in worship, we live in the word, people of prayer, and, and, and become aware, Lord, where, where is this coming from? And then be mindful, just, just placing a fresh guard. Lord, I, pray, I, I place a fresh guard at my heart. I think that's, that's, that's a prayer that we'll close with tonight. So, all right, so some steps to freedom here. Let's take a look here. Luke chapter 6, coming in for a landing, verses 27 to 38. But you who are listening, I say... Love your enemies. So this, this is just going to accent everything that we just laid out there. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. Now again, church, you need to realize the Lord wasn't saying, so be weak and, and be bullied. Tell me, we recognize that's not what the Lord is saying here. He's saying that this is a position of strength. He's saying, because the power of the love of God, God's got your back. Man, they take your coat. You can give them the shirt too because your God is the God of more than enough and he's gonna supply all of your needs. And now you have just demonstrated for them the Jesus that died on the cross and rose from the dead for them. I'm not suggesting we take abuse or we take bullying or anything. The context of this, the Lord is saying, man, we can, we can respond to the ugly in the opposite spirit because it's mightier than that opposite spirit. Uh, so let's see, uh, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. See, God looks at that when we respond that way. God looks at that and says, that's my girl. That's my boy. Look at them. They're, they're, they're reflecting me in the world around them. Uh, it says, you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Come on, it's easy to judge, isn't it? Man, I, I, I tell you, like, every day I got to work at, that, that's not for me to try to figure out, or, or I'll catch myself and I'll, I'll say, look at, look at what you're assuming. You don't know this person. Knock it off. You know, I have to kind of bring myself in, in line here, you know, and that you feel the Holy Spirit going, hey, hey, cut it out, right? Uh, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Doesn't this just empower us to say, I'll love, I'll forgive, I'll do the right thing, I'll keep walking it through? See, our faith can get built because we know in this context, I can't lose. We can't lose if we respond this way. If the world gets more and more hostile toward the church, if the church will walk in the power of God's love, well, it's what's happening in China. The church is exploding, the underground church, the persecuted church, because it's people on fire, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the love of God, that are just living for Him. And as hard as the enemy tries to put it out, it only just spreads and get in more, more of God's kingdom and more of God's glory. And that's always how it works. So from this portion of scripture that we just read, I'm, I just want to rattle off a couple of things that we can do just to be free from bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Number one, recognize the wound. Notice in every one of these situations, Jesus isn't denying that it's real. You know, he's saying, so when they strike the cheek, give them the other. When they do that, you know, so it's rec recognize it. If we ignore it, it won't go away. So we need to recognize that it's there. And then second, make the decision to forgive and remember, we do it by faith and as a choice, not by feelings. Uh, and then we're encouraged in this portion of Scripture and pray for them. Pray for the other person. And I would even say, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you know, we've been talking about like a guy who had his, you know, dad murdered and, you know, uh, you know, persecution against the church and all that. But let's just bring it home even into unforgiveness and resentment in our homes right? Spouses, you know, kids, kids to parents, uh, siblings, all that different stuff, people that we work with. If we'll pray for that person, it's really, really hard to be in bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone if we're praying for them. It just melts our heart. It, it's, a, it's like a good fail-safe that the Lord put together so we can pray for them. Um, oftentimes for me, the feeling of forgiveness has only come after I've really spent time blessing and praying for that person. Just, just like a breakthrough that happens in that time. Uh, four, we can demonstrate an act of kindness toward them. Notice we saw that in the scriptures uh, uh, that we just read there. So they, they take the coat. Hey, so you want the shirt too? Here you go. You know, just minister kindness toward them. Whenever you do something uh, like that, it just, again, it releases God's power into the situation. And then number five could be a, a little bit harder to do. But it would be, so forget it. Just forget 
the, the offense, right? We're, we're told that agape keeps no record of wrongs. Come on, how many times have we heard people think they're hanging in the moon and they said, oh, I'll forgive, <laughs> but I'm not forgetting. You know, and it's like, nah, we're not off the hook with that, you know. Uh, we're supposed to not keep a record of the wrong. Galatians 5.1 says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Come on, have you ever had that happen? You get uh, forgiveness and then about four seconds later, you're totally remembering, you know, and with, with double the fury, you know, and a, a yoke of slavery has come right back. There was a cute story I heard. A six-year-old Philip came home, six-year-old Philip, boiling mad. And he told his mother, I'm never playing with Jimmy again. This is not a real story. I'm not the Jimmy in this story. I just, just want you to know, okay? Uh, after dinner, the doorbell rang, and guess who it was at the door? It was Jimmy. Uh, Philip uh, greeted him at the door and invited him in for some ice cream. And his mother was surprised and said, Philip, uh, uh, what, what happened? I thought you were really angry and never, and he said, well, me and Jimmy have good forgetters. That was the, the response, man, wisdom from a six-year-old child, right? We need to have good forgetters. You know, that's what the Lord would call us to. And then the, the last thing uh, that, that we get from this portion of scripture that'll help us stay free is receive the promise. When we give love and forgiveness, it will be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know, it, it is a verse that's applicable to offerings. It, it can be applied to offerings. It's not wrong. But that's oftentimes the only time I hear, give and it'll be given unto you. The context of this verse is when you've been wronged, forgive. And by the way, when you do, it'll be given back to you, good measure, running over, oh, doesn't that sound good? Waves of mercy, waves of the grace of God, his goodness and mercy following us because we're choosing to sow this and what we, what we sow, we'll wind up reaping. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, so hey, in, in closing here this evening, uh, let, let's make a decision here tonight. Uh, again, watching and live stream. Let's, let's make it a time of prayer to say, uh, I think a couple of things. Lord, by, by your Holy Spirit, I, I, wanna, I wanna put a guard at my heart against bitterness, against offense, against unforgiveness. And then I also just want to give us an opportunity uh, ju just to, to release and get rid of if there's anything that we carried into this place. Maybe it's something we're very aware of that we carried in. Maybe it's something that we're not all that are aware. Again, just being out in, in this, this challenging culture that we're in right now, we can almost kind of get just sort of slimed by it. So why don't we just bow our heads, let's just pray. Let's just ask God to, to work in our lives. So Father, here tonight in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful that because of your love for us, because of the love of your son for us, because of his good work on the cross, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, we are forgiven. Thank you that all of our sin has been blotted out, that we've been made brand new. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, God, that you told us your mercies are new every morning. And we recognize, God, we need your mercy, we need your grace, we need your forgiveness. Father, we're asking now that you would search us, uh, even, even as we see in the word, search me and know my heart. Look and see and know my ways. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your way, in the way everlasting. So God, search our hearts. Lord, search us and know us. 
Lord, is there anything that would be bitterness? If there is, Lord, we say we release that now. I would encourage you, if, if there's something that, that you've clearly found, go ahead, let it come off your lips, let, me, let it come out of your voice. I release bitterness in the name of Jesus. If there's, if there's a place where you'd say, hey, maybe there's some resentment, let's just say I release resentment in the name of Jesus. I release it, I cast it off, I don't want it anymore in Jesus' name. And how about if there's unforgiveness? If anyone would be saying, yep, I'm holding on to some unforgiveness. Why don't we just make that decision now? I release unforgiveness in the name of Jesus. I renounce it. I I cast it off. I say that I choose to forgive. By the grace of God, Lord, here today, it is our prayer. We are saying the best we know, the best we understand, we say that we are in forgiveness with every person that we have encountered. We release anything that would be unforgiveness or anything related to it. And Father, we pray in this challenging season, in this challenging climate that we live in these days, uh, we, we we make a purposeful choice to above all else, guard our hearts. And we pray, Holy Spirit, be on watch with us and, and, and help us to have ears to hear you when you'd be whispering, watch your heart. When you would be uh, tugging on us to say, hey, get your heart back on track. Holy Spirit, we say, help us discern and know your voice like never before. Where we've been calloused, where our heart has been hardened, where we're dry or weary, where we're hurting, we pray, Holy Spirit, come in and do a work. Heal everything up. Take the stony places and make it good, soft, fertile ground for, the, for your fruit, for the fruit of your spirit, God. So in all of this, we just give you praise and thanks. Lord, it's a choice. It's a decision we're making. And Lord, I thank you in this room. I thank you live stream. Thank you even those that would be watching this after the fact. Lord, you said whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I thank you that that there is a greater walk of freedom because unforgiveness, because bitterness, because offense is being cast off, because resentment is being cast aside here today. So Lord, you get all the glory for it. You get all the honor. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.